Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Evam Sadakarma Kalapamatmana Paridhyagye Bhagavati Adhokshaje Sarvatma Bhavam Vidadan Mahim Imam Tanishta Vipra Bihata Shashashaha In performing his prescribed duties as king, Maharaj Ambarish always offer the results of his royal activities to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, who is the enjoyer of everything and is beyond the perception of material senses. He certainly took advice from Brahmins who were faithful devotees of the Lord, and thus he ruled the planet Earth without difficulty. Purport by His Divine Grace. Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Bhuvipada. People are very much anxious to live in peace and prosperity in this material world. And here in Bhagavad Gita, the peace formula is given personally by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everyone should understand that Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the ultimate proprietor of all the planets and is therefore the enjoyer of all activities, political, social, cultural, religious, economic, and so on. The Lord has given perfect advice in Bhagavad Gita and Ambarish Maharaj as the ideal executive head ruled the entire world as a Vaishnav taking advantage or taking advice from Vaishnav Brahmins. The Shastras enjoin that even though a Brahmin may be well-versed in the occupational Brahminical duties and may be very learned in Vedic knowledge, he cannot give advice as a guru until he is a Vaishnava. Sat-karma-nipano-vipro-mantra-tantra-visharada avaishnavo-guru-nasyat-vaishnava-svapacho-guru Therefore, as indicated here by the words Tanishta Viprabhita, Maharaj Ambarish took advice from Brahmins who were pure devotees of the Lord. For ordinary Brahmins who are merely learned scholars or experts in performing ritualistic ceremonies are not competent to give advice. In modern times, there are legislative assemblies whose members are authorized to make laws for the welfare of the state. But according to this description of the kingdom of Maharaj Ambarish, the country of the world should be ruled by a chief executive whose advisors are all devotees, Brahmins. Such advisors or members of the legislative assembly should not be professional politicians, nor should they be selected by the ignorant public. Rather, they should be appointed by the king. When the king, the executive head of the state, is a devotee and he follows the instructions of devotee Brahmins in ruling the country, everyone will be peaceful and prosperous. When the king and his advisors are perfect devotees, nothing can be wrong in the state. All the citizens should become devotees of the Lord 
and then their good character will automatically follow. Yasyasti bhaktir bhagavati akinchana sarvai gunaishtatra samasate sura harava bhaktasyukathomahadguna manorate nashati dhavato bahi One who has unflinching devotion for the personality of Godhead has all the good qualities of the demigods. But one who is not a devotee of the Lord has only material qualifications that are of little value. This is because he is hovering on the mental plane and is certain to be attracted by the glaring material energy. Citizens under the guidance of a Krishna conscious king will become devotees and then there will be no need to enact new laws every day to reform the way of life in the state. If the citizens are trained to become devotees, they will automatically become peaceful and honest. And if they are guided by a devoted king advised by devotees, the state will not be in the material world, but in the spiritual world. All the states of the world should therefore follow the ideal of the rule or administration of Maharaj Ambarish as described here. Translation. In performing his prescribed duties as king, Maharaj Ambarish always offered the results of his royal activities to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, who is the enjoyer of everything and is beyond the perception of material senses. He certainly took advice from Brahmins who were faithful devotees of the Lord, and thus he ruled the planet Earth without difficulty. In the next canto of the Bhagavatam, uh, we find that there is a time when Mother Earth, in the form of a cow, approaches Lord Brahma. And she is explaining that I am in a very painful suffering condition because there is a heavy, heavy burden upon me. And this, is, this heavy burden is due to the weight of great sinful activities that are being created by simple, sinful, hypocritical kings and rulers who are misguiding all of human civilization. This is the condition of Kali Yuga. Maharaj Parikshit, when he was traveling on his uh, celebrated chariot, he was showing by his example a real king, uh, a great king. He did not have cabinet members who were simply trying to use him and exploit him for their own purposes. But those who took vows of renunciation, whose only goal in life was the welfare of others, he would only accept advice from them. Those who were learned in the scriptures and those who were gentle, compassionate, and God-conscious with pure hearts. And his only goal in life was to humbly execute their instruction. He traveled making sure that no one who was in the position of a leader was exploiting or misusing the resources of God. And he saw Kali personified 
who was a low-class sinful man dressed as a king, beating on an innocent cow and bull. And Maharaj Parikshit understood that this is the beginning of the end of civilization, when kings become corrupt, when kings are not given guidance by pure devotees of the Lord. So he took his sword and was about to kill Kali. But of course we know that before such a great king, other rulers who had to bow their heads at his feet and surrender. Uh, you see, Maharaj Parikshit could not tolerate seeing anyone in his kingdom being misused, exploited, or misled by fools and rascals. Uh, but the symptom of the coming of Kali Yuga is more and more evident to the degree that the leaders of society become materialistic and corrupt. And the materialistic corruption comes when they try to rule the state through their own sense perception and their own mental speculation. Everything is the property of God. This world, in truth, is the kingdom of God. But we cannot recognize the kingdom of God unless we accept God as king. That means his word is supreme. His laws are supreme. And those humble servants, the Brahmins, uh, they are the real leaders of society. According to the Shastra, the, the social body uh, has a head, has arms, has a belly, and has legs. Each part of the social body has a specific and essential function, but each must cooperate with one another in harmony. The head gives direction, and only the head gives direction. The feet, the belly, and the arms, if they try to give direction to the body, the whole body will be destroyed and diseased. It is the head and head alone that directs the body. The Brahmins are the heads of society. They give direction to society. But here it is explained uh, that Maharaj Ambarish, he would only accept those Brahmins who were pure devotees of the Lord. Maharaj Ambarish cared nothing for Brahmin by birth or Brahmin by intellectualization. Srila Prabhupada here is condemning a, Bra a person to be known as a Brahmin simply because of his intellectual understanding of the Vedas. That is not enough. It is described here that such a person, Satkarama Nipano Vipro, Mantra Tantra Visharada, Avaishnava Guru Vaishnava Swapatro Guru. That such a person cannot even deliver himself what to speak of others. The real guides of societies must be Brahmins who are humble, gentle, pure devotees of the Lord, who have understood the real essence of Veda. To surrender to Krishna with devotion. 
that person, even if he is born in the family of dog-eaters, it is explained here, even if he's born in the most sinful circumstances, he is to be considered the real leader of society. He can be guru for the whole world. And not only that, but he must be given all rights, given to the Brahmins and more. This is according to Shastra. You see, those who actually understand the truth and who are sincere are only impressed by humility and surrender. And anything that is in pursuance of those two qualities, ah, we give it great respect. Whether it be material expertise, material skill, intellectualism, ah, whether it be uh, power of management. If these things are in pursuance of the service of the Lord with purity, with humility and with devotion, then we offer all respect. But without those two qualities of humility and devotion, all our material qualifications are so many zeros. They have no value and they have no meaning to Krishna and they have no meaning to the real sadhus who know Krishna. The common man, uh, you show him some magical, mystical feet and he is impressed but a real devotee of the Lord is not impressed by anything except humility and devotion. Nothing else can impress such a person. Because he knows the truth. He knows all these things without humility and devotion are actually disqualifications. They're just a distraction. The purpose of everything we do is to acquire humility and devotion because without these two qualities, we cannot attract Krishna. This is the teaching of Gita. This is the teaching of Bhagavatam. And this is the word of all the great Acharyas. So Maharaj Ambarish, he was a true king. It is described that the, uh, in this social body, the Kshatriya class, the kings, the military men, the politicians, they are like the arms of society. What is the purpose or function of the arms? To protect to give protection to the head, to the belly, to the legs, to every limb. Kshatriya means to protect from pain. It does not mean to be aggressive. And the Kshatriyas, the arms of society, are only functional to the extent that they are taking their direction fully from the heads or the pure devotees, the Brahmins. I remember one time the devotees asked Prabhupada, if we can take over the whole world and make it Krishna conscious, can we make you the king? And everyone was very excited about the idea. Srila Prabhupada said, no, I will not be the king. And everyone was thinking, uh-oh, what did we say wrong? He said, I will be the guru of the king. That means he will dictate how to make this world the spiritual world and the king will humbly obey. And we find throughout the Vedic culture all the great kings, 
their most attractive quality is their humility and obedience to those in the renounced order. Maharaj Ambarish, when Durvas Muni came to his home, we are about to read, even though Durvas Muni is um, about to get angry with Ambarish Maharaj, still, he was a great sage. So just to set proper precedent, Ambarish Maharaj very humbly with folded hands accepted the position of his servant. We read of Dasarat Maharaj, although he was the king of all of Ayodhya, the most powerful king on earth. When any great sage would come to his home or his palace, whether it be Vashishtamuni, Vishwamitra Muni, he would get off his throne, wash their feet, and offer with great humility whatever he had at the feet of such a great soul. Maharaj Yudhisthira was the same way. When great souls like Narada Muni or any sadhu would come, he would put them on his own throne, wash their feet, and humbly serve them and carry out their instructions. And of course, the Supreme Personality of Godhead in his divine form of Dwarkadish, the king of Dwarka, he established the same principle. Sudama Vipra was a poor, simple man. He did not think, oh, what is he doing? Just um, this parasite of society, beggar, probably worships idols. Why doesn't he get a job? Do something constructive. Krishna got off his throne, took the dust of Sudama's feet upon his head, washed his feet. The goddess of fortune herself, Lakshmi Devi, fanned him with the chamara. They prepared wonderful foods for him. They offered him their whole palace, their whole kingdom, everything. Krishna accepted the position of his most obedient servant, just to show society that if a king does not humble himself, if any grihasta in any high position or low position does not humble himself before the renounced order of life, then that person is useless spiritually. However, he may be decorated with um, material qualifications. Uh, but those in the renounced order of life, of course, they should, if they're actually in the renounced order of life, they must renounce pride altogether. They must not manipulate or exploit their position. They must simply, with great um, purity of purpose, present the word of God, present the direction of God consciousness for all to follow through their life and through their words. And the belly is compared to the Vaishyas, who are the, uh, the farmers, the agriculturalists, the merchants, the businessmen, uh, like that. They are providing nourishment to every part of the social body by providing food, by providing transportation, by providing all the material necessities that are required to live peacefully in the service of God. And the legs are compared to Sudra, the laborer class, their natural propensities due to their previous karma is they are very, very peaceful, very happy, and very expert 
when they are simply following directions of the three, higher, of the three other classes. Now, of course, there is a great misconception that because God is taken out from the center of this Varnashram system, all the different classes are simply competing. Communism means the sudras want power, tired of being persecuted as being low class. They want to rule. Capitalism means the Vaishyas. We have all the money. We have all the material resources. Why should we take instruction from anyone? We should rule according to our mental speculations, according to our sensual motives. Dictatorship means the Kshatriya. He just wants to rule everything. Huh? I'm the arms, I have the strength, I have the armies. I want to be in power. And therefore conquer all others, subjugate them, exploit them, brainwash them with propaganda. And they'll do anything you want. In this way, this world is very nicely summarized by Prahlad Maharaj. When the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. And this whole world has become one big ditch. Because all the leaders are blind, and therefore all the followers are blind, and everything, everyone is simply running full speed ahead into this great ditch. Srila Prabhupada said in the war between capitalism and communism, he said they're both basically demoniac, because there's no spiritual leadership. He said, but if the communists take over the world, religion is finished, there's no hope. But if the capitalists do, because the concept of democracy is there's some idea of freedom of religion, there is still scope for God consciousness within the world. But of course, religious fanaticism which is based on politics, but really has nothing to do with religion of all, is the worst of all. Because in the name of God, people are being exploited simply to serve the purposes of the demonic desires of the leaders. So this is the situation that is all around. And the only solution is that people have to wake up and understand the goal of life and the leaders of society have to know that the common men will do according to their direction. Therefore, they are responsible. It is explained in the Bhagavatam, Guruna Satsyat Svajanina Satsyat Pitana Satsyat Janina Satsyat, that one has no right to accept any position of leadership. One is not allowed to take the position of a king, a demigod, a mother or father, or even a teacher, unless you have the power to deliver your students or your dependents from the repetition of birth and death. If you cannot do that, you're a cheater and you will be punished severely by the laws of material nature for misleading an innocent soul. Because human form of life is meant to live in harmony with the will of God. And only the pure devotees of the Lord, only those great acharyas and those great sadhus who are hearing the divine word through disciplic succession actually know what is the true will of God. 
There are many great religions of the world. But all of them are repeating, in essence, the same subject matter. The true leaders of all religions will harmonize and love one another because they will see the essence of pure love of God within each other's teachings and within each other's lives. But religion without realization, without true leadership, simply becomes sentimentalism, fanaticism, and creates hate and violence. This is the great problem. So therefore, it is very, very essential for the world to understand this great story of Maharaj Ambarish, how he lived. The very basis of his rule over the world is described in this verse. Ah. In performing his prescribed duties as king, Maharaj Ambarish always offered the results of his royal activities to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, who is the enjoyer of everything and is beyond the perception of the material senses. He certainly took advice from the Brahmins who were faithful devotees of the Lord and thus he ruled the planet Earth without difficulty. His great quality was that he was willing to humble himself before the Guru, the Sadhu, and the Shastra. And we find that anyone in any order of life who is willing to accept this principle of humbly being the servant of the devotees of the Lord, that person will always be protected by Krishna in all circumstances. Maharaj Ambarish, he was a great king. When Duravas Muni, who was about to attack him with a great, very great mystical um, weapon, creating a massive fiery monster, Ambarish was so humble. He simply, with folded palms, prayed, My Lord, if you want to kill me, I'll die. No problem. You let your will be done. If you want to protect me, what do I have to fear? Ah. At that time, Krishna himself appeared in his Sudarshan chakra to protect Ambarish. In this way, we see that one who is the humble servant of the Vaishnavas is always dear to Krishna, and Krishna will never abandon such a great soul. He will always protect him under all circumstances of life. So we should not be surprised in this age of quarrel and hypocrisy that hypocritical leaders and sinful men in the guise of so-called religious leaders, that they will attack that which is of God. This is to be expected, but with faith in the protection of the Lord, we must never lose hope, never lose courage. With great determination and enthusiasm, we must simply go on with our service.
in such a situation our service is according to the direction of the great souls to fight for the truth to fight for the truth is the necessity of every devotee in according to whatever ashram he may be in the brahmins fight for the truth through preaching through bold preaching of what is truth and what is false and explaining who is who and what is what acharya upashanam one who understands from the acharya knows things as they are so armed with the words of god the brahman must fight ignorance and illusion the kshatriyas or the politicians through diplomacy or through warfare with weapons with physical strength they must fight to protect the truth fight to destroy illusion and ignorance and the vaishyas they must also be constantly fighting for the truth how do they fight according to their propensity they have material resources they have oftentimes tremendous influence they have expertise in manipulation they must utilize all these propensities and whatever resources they have to assist in this great battle or fight for the truth and the sudras they are people who are very naturally content as laborers the legs are meant to serve all other parts of the body by simply carrying out the orders and assisting the three higher the three other classes they can be great great value in fighting for the truth a devotee of the lord who really and truly wants to make spiritual advancement must understand that it is a war that the power the forces of illusion of ignorance of corruption are constantly trying to destroy everything sacred within your own heart and all around you and if you stand passively you will be defeated and all around will you be you will be defeated therefore according to your natural inclination you must fight for the truth but that battle must begin within our own hearts you see if we are not fighting this battle within our own hearts and if we try to fight this battle outside of ourselves we will only cause a big mess therefore shila prabhupad said let me the be the guru for the king in this way everyone will have proper understanding of what is the truth and everyone can fight together the forces of evil the forces of ignorance the forces of exploitation quarrel and hypocrisy this is the great need in this world it begins when we fight 
that darkness and ignorance within our own hearts. Oma Gyanta Miranda Syagyananjana Chalakaya Chakshurun Militam Jena Tasmoy Sri Guru Venamaha. I offer my obeisances uh, respectfully to my spiritual master because Guru Dev is with the torchlight of knowledge dispelling the darkness of ignorance. So every person without Guru is simply a part of the darkness, a part of the ignorance, is on the side of evil. Even with good intentions, it is a fact. Even in war, many of the soldiers who are representing evil, they're actually nice people, they're actually pious people. But somehow or other, they're being led, they're being misdirected. And through that misdirection, they're challenging what is good and sacred. So therefore, it is, it is essential that we have pure spiritual guidance. And then, ah, yes, we must fight. The holy name of God is most sublime weapon which destroys, defeats, always reigns victorious over all the enemies of ignorance within us. There are six anartas that are described in the Shastras. Lust, anger, envy, pride, greed, and illusion. These six enemies are lurking within our hearts and they must be conquered. And the words of the great sadhus and the sound of the holy name can defeat all these anartas, all these enemies within us. Ah. And then we can truly be part of the solution to the great problem of hypocrisy and suffering in this world. And this is the great example of Maharaj Ambarish. He had conquered these enemies within his own heart by humbly serving the great souls, learning from them. And therefore he was fit to rule the entire world and guide all living beings in God's loving service, where this material world becomes the kingdom of God, full of prosperity, opulence, peace, and bliss. And every living being, after leaving this body, will simply return to Krishna for eternal life in his, loving, in his loving pastimes. Is there any questions? Yes. preacher concentrates on preaching to whoever will open their hearts to hear. Of course, if a leader opens his hearts to hear, 
you're preaching to millions through that one person. Just like in Buddhism, uh, Emperor Ashok, he accepted the doctrine of Buddha, and as a result, he changed the whole kingdom to Buddhism. Everyone followed him. Similarly, in Christianity, uh, King Constantine. Rome, at the time, was what the Christians would call pagans. They were against Christ. They were against Judaism. They were the enemies. They were the ones that martyred, that murdered most of the original Christians. And they were engaged in the most utterly barbaric activities. But when this one king became Christian, the whole kingdom followed him. Hmm? Malaysia used to be a Hindu place. Used to be a Hindu nation. But what happened is, their conception of Hinduism was completely corrupt. There was no bona fide spiritual master guiding him to understand what is Krishna's will. They were simply worshipping this demigod, that demigod, all for material purposes. But the king was preached to by one man of the Islamic faith, and the whole kingdom became Islamic. Huh? Now, if such a king or such a leader was actually being preached to by a pure devotee of the Lord, or by the representative of such a pure devotee of the Lord, and actually led the kingdom in pure devotional service. Great thing, and that is the greatest preaching in regard to the welfare of the masses. But you see, in this day and age, the world is very, most of the powerful dictators they get in their position because they want to be God. So it is very difficult to gain entrance and an open heart to preach to them. And in democratic societies, unless you make the people Krishna conscious, they'll never vote for a Krishna conscious leader. Right? So therefore, Those personalities who have influence over others' lives, we should take great care to try to preach to them. Just like Srila Prabhupada said, if you make one college student a devotee of the Lord, that person will influence thousands and thousands of people's lives because of his good intelligence. Therefore, Prabhupada said, making one college student a devotee sincere person, intelligent person, is equal to making 1,000 devotees because of his, his power to influence others' lives. Huh? So we must be very careful to always uh, seek out the opportunity for such preaching. But at the same time, every other class of men. It is their, their God-given right 
to hear the message of the Lord and to give, be given the opportunity for the absolute truth. Therefore, we must organize our preaching activities so that various devotees, according to their inclinations, can reach all classes of men. Some devotees should be in the ghettos where the illiterate people are, giving them prasad and somehow or other getting them to chant the holy names and somehow or other giving them the message of Godhead. Willing to give their lives for these people. That must be there. Other people who are more influential should be approaching the politicians and the leaders of society. They will listen to them, try to convince them. Srila Prabhupada used to tell, he, he, he developed this Bhaktivedanta Institute of scientists. He told them, get your PhDs and preach to the scientists. He said, the scientists will never listen to a sadhu like me. They think I'm just a sentimentalist. They'll never listen to what I say. Unless you have a PhD and you're a scientist, they won't take you seriously. So now you have these qualifications, preach to them. Huh? And that's what they were doing. They gave their lives to that only. Those who have good intelligence, they must preach to the student class. They're the future of the whole society. Do you know that all 100% of, of next generations Politicians, leaders, doctors, lawyers, social workers, psychiatrists, psychologists, all the people who are going to run the society are in the colleges today. And their minds are often still a little bit open. So those who have that inclination must give their lives and not lay waste a moment to reach out to these people. So preaching means, in this, just like in the war, you understand where the enemy's different strengths are. And there's different sections of your army that attack the various places. Huh? So therefore, we must organize our preaching so that every class of man is given the opportunity to receive the mercy of Krishna and be peaceful. Is there any other questions? Yes. As you said that we should fight for the truth in all sections of the society. As in when we are fighting for the truth, sometimes the circumstances happen in such a way that our faith is being somewhat shaken up. Here, example of that, whatever that has happened yesterday in the temple, uh, some of the people who are not politically motivated people, they just try to, uh, so distract us or they try to uh, abuse us, although we have not done anything wrong for them. At that time, whatever that has happened, we feel why Krishna is doing on this basis. We have not done anything wrong for them. Why this is being happening? Is that something how to maintain our faith and see that everything that is coming up is perfect? You must expect that. When you wage war against illusion, do you think illusion is not going to fight back? Hmm? Maya is going to fight back. In fact, Lord Nityananda, 
is the friend of the most fallen. Do you think it's coincidence that this attack of Maya or illusion came the day after his appearance? Actually, this is a confirmation of the glory and the success of that festival. That the devotees were so enthusiastic to appeal for the mercy of Lord Nityananda that Maya is getting scared. She knows that this temple is starting to have real potency and is really a threat to the whole illusory energy. These devotees are enthusiastically appealing to Lord Nityananda to work through them. If it was not a very potent festival, Maya would just not take That Krishna is hearing our prayers of compassion for all the fallen souls out there. He is empowering this temple. And Maya Devi, the illusory energy and all her representatives are starting to take us a little more seriously. Huh? They were, they were not attacking the fact of the bathroom so much, they were attacking the very existence of devotees. Huh? It's a good sign. That means we are being empowered by Krishna. That means Maya is getting scared. You can expect many attacks like that. But it's guaranteed by Krishna. Yatra yogi Krishna, yatru parto dunodana. Wherever there is Krishna Arjuna, there is certain to be victory, great opulence. Huh? Justice. So if we understand things as they are, we will not lose faith. Such a situation like that will increase our faith many fold. Where in the history of the world has any spiritual person not been attacked by the illusory energy? When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu first started taking his devotees out in the streets, having this Nam Sankirtan, the forces of illusion attacked him. Chankazi went and threatened every devotee that if you ever go out in the streets chanting these names again, I'm going to put you in jail, I'm going to plunder all your wealth, and I'm going to put all your family in jail also. Well, that's a very, very fearful claim. Could you imagine if you were directly ordered in a violent, harsh, malicious way by the military themselves? that if we ever see any of you out again chanting the holy names in the street, you're going to jail instantly. There was no question of trials in those days. What the Kazi said was the law. Plunder all your wealth and put your family, your children, everyone in prison. That was the threat and they meant business. And when some simple devotees were out, they took the murdangas, smashed them on the ground and threatened that this is banned. That was the immediate result of Lord Chaitanya sending people out into the streets to chant. But 
with all their soldiers, with their armies, they could not conquer the Sankirtan movement. Huh? Lord Jesus was crucified only for preaching. Haridas Thakur was beat in 22 marketplaces only for preaching. But what is the result? In Jesus' crucifixion, practically the whole world became Christian. Huh? The whole world, most three-fourths of the world practically, took his teaching seriously because of that. And Haridas Thakur is glorified for his tolerance and his greatness, and even the persons who beat him when they saw how miraculously humble he was, they converted and chanted the holy names of Krishna. Huh? And in the story of the Chandkazi also, he became a devotee in the end. So in every situation, if the truth is purely being presented, you can understand there will certainly be a reaction of opposition from those who represent illusion. You know what Srila Prabhupada said? When he first came to America, he told us, if your American government knew what I was teaching when I first came to the country, they would have killed me. He said, because what I'm teaching will totally dismantle the very basis of the whole civilization, which is sense gratification. Huh? And in America, the devotees are being attacked like anything. And all, to the degree they're out preaching, to that degree they're going to be attacked by Maya. But as they're being attacked, they're becoming more and more enthusiastic, more and more empowered, and they're always being protected. Huh? Jesus said, the world hated me. And if you follow me, the world will hate you. And if the world does not hate you, you are not following me. It's all a show. It's the eternal truth. There's always these two forces, the divine and the demoniac natures. And they're always in opposition to one another. Even in Satya Yuga, Hiranyakashipu and Prahlad, father and son, were at war. Huh? Prahlad was humble, but Hiranyakashipu was incessantly attacking him and trying to destroy him because he represented the truth. And Hiranyakashipu knew if the truth prevails, all of my sinful and evil um, motivations Will be, will be impossible to fulfill. Hmm? There was one famous, famous lecture of Srila Prabhupada. He said, when the world becomes God-conscious, he said, we will propagate no illicit sex, no intoxication, no gambling, no eating, and the demons, they will die. Because they cannot live without these things. At least their demoniac intelligence, that will die. Huh? It is not that physically they will die, but, the, but their demoniac propensities must die. And if they don't, then they will physically die because they can't live without sinful life. So these... These attacks of Maya confirm the faith of the devotees of the Lord.
Thank you very much.